book of Psalms, chapter 37. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 and skip down to verse number 34. I hate that I wasn't here uh, Wednesday night to hear Sister Bird and uh, to be in service with her before she moved on to Stapleton to, to help Brother JP. But uh, Sister Taylor was telling me she preached an hour and four minutes Wednesday night. We went over to their house and ate lunch. And uh, I said, well, i got to go home and got to go study. I said, Sister Bird preached an hour and four, so i got to do my best to preach an hour and five. <laughs> but you could have seen the look that she gave me. <laughs> it wasn't the best of looks. It's kind of like the look she's giving me right now. <laughs> Not going to do that to you tonight. I just have a few things to share with you on my heart. The Lord gave me uh, this all literally in an airplane uh, in the air on Friday and just some, th some things to bring out from this verse. I don't even have a title. Just some things here that the Lord uh, impressed upon my heart. I'm just going to share my heart with you tonight. Psalms chapter 37 verse number 1. And it reads as this, the Psalm of David, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give unto thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And if you'll skip down from verse number 7 down to verse number 34, David concludes this chapter, close to the final verse, with another command. It says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I mean, if you will, stretch forth your hand this way and ask God to help us and anoint us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege that we have to come and to be in your house. Thank you for your spirit that we have been made to feel. Thank you, Lord. As Brother Bobby mentioned, to be a part of a spirit-filled church where your spirit, where your presence abounds and abides, we thank you for it, old God. I'm asking now as the lot has fallen for the preaching of the word of God that you would anoint us as we endeavor to de declare and to deliver what you've laid upon my heart. Oh God, I have no giftings, no talents, no abilities outside of you, but with you, by you, and through you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray that you would anoint us even now, that you would encourage and edify this body of believers, and we're going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen and amen. The occasion on which this psalm is written, we are 
We're not sure. We don't have the background of what was going on in the life of David when he penned these words. But we do know that this was penned in the, the latter years, possibly the latter months, or possibly even the latter days of David's life. Because it was in these same verses, verse number 25, I didn't read it for the sake of time, but David penned the words that's so famous. He said, I, I was once young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. So David himself acknowledged in this text and in this passage of Scripture that this was when he was older. And it's interesting, as David begins this psalm, the words in which he used when he wrote, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He went on to say in verse 7, Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. And in verse 8, he said, Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. You know, so David is reflecting back on his life. He's in the sunset. He's in the, the, the latter years of his life. But you know, David was facing and had faced in his life some of the same challenges and things that you and I are facing right now. When we survey the climate and the landscape of this earth and it looks like the righteous are being subdued while the wicked are prospering, while the wicked are flourishing, it seems like those that are trying to do right and live right and be faithful to God, it's doing all that we can do to just tie a knot at the end of the rope and hold on. Yeah. While those that aren't even trying, those that aren't professing anything, those are living ungodly and those that are, are living wicked, it seems like they're flourishing. It seems like they are uh, uh, abounding when everybody else is abased. And so he's dealing with this. He's dealing with the conflict that, that many people observe. Why is it the age-old question? Why is it that the righteous suffer and seemingly the wicked flourish? Why is it that if you don't pay your taxes, you go to jail? But why is it that Hunter Biden can owe millions and use a get-out-of-jail-free card? Say amen to me, somebody. Why is it that those that struggle to do right and live right, it seems like we can't catch a break. But those that are wicked, those that, that they are flourishing. But David, he dealt with that. He said, you need to change your vision and the way that you're looking. He said, don't fret yourself because of the evildoer. Don't, don't worry yourself with, with that question. He said, because they are having their day right now. But their day is soon going to come to pass. For he said, they shall be cut down and wither as the green herb. If you were to take a green herb and you were to cut that thing down, it wouldn't take but just a couple of hours. It would begin to wilt. It would begin to turn brown. It would die. And just a few days goes by. It's going to be decomposed and there's nothing left. There's going to be no remembrance that that herb even existed. That's the same way 
That's the same uh, manner in which the life of the evildoer is. They may seem to be flourishing right now. But that life is soon going to end. All of that prosperity and that, that, that wickedness, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to pass. And David is saying, don't be envious of him because of what he has. Why envy a person that is about ready to get cut off? Amen. So don't focus on the wicked. Don't focus. And I know right now it's hard to do because wickedness is so prevalent in this generation. Ungodliness is so prevalent in this present hour. It seems like everywhere you turn is, is wickedness and ungodliness. Uh, and we can spend all of our time uh, focusing on that uh, and, and cursing the darkness and cursing the wickedness. Uh, but David said, you've got to change your perspective. Uh, instead of focusing on the wickedness, uh, he admonished us to focus on the Lord. Amen. Amen. He said, don't fret yourself because of the evildoer, because of wickedness. But instead, he pinned down five commands that I want to deal with tonight that the Lord would be my helper to encourage the church to tell us, yes, it's easy to focus on the wickedness. Amen. But we should turn our focus and attention and we should do what David said. The first thing that he said, very simple in our explanation, but it's much more difficult uh, in uh, in practice uh, when we put the, 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 the words to action uh, but he said trust uh, in the Lord oh, it's easy to say you trust in the Lord but it's something altogether different to actually trust in the Lord it's easy to say I, I believe the Lord is my healer that's easy to profess, but it's something altogether different when the doctor tells you it's stage four and there's nothing else I can do. But it, it, it takes on a new meaning when you say then, I'm trusting in the Lord. Despite the answer may not have come as quickly as I wanted or how soon I would have liked it. I am trusting in the Lord. It's one thing to say that you trust in the Lord when you've got a thousand dollars in the bank and all your bills are paid up for the week and you've got money to go to Longhorn and get you an outlaw, a ribeye, and live good for a night. But it's something altogether different when you don't have a nickel in that bank account and you've got free bills that are coming due and you don't know how they're going to get paid and you're two months behind on your bills and if you miss one more you could be sleeping and living in the dark without an AC but to have the confidence to trust in the Lord it's something altogether different at that moment in time when you say I trust in the Lord that phrase there it means to have unconditional trust in him unconditional trust in him despite what you see despite the bad news despite what you hear despite the wickedness don't be weary in well doing but trust in the Lord don't be weary in well doing because you'll reap in due season if you think not David said no matter what happens in life trust in the Lord that word trust there means to confide in him. Instead of allowing the mind to be disturbed and sad because of what wicked men are doing, because they're prosperous and apparently happy, 
because they may have even injured you in your person or your reputation, but calmly confide in God. It means to have unconditional confidence in Him, to have confidence in the Lord. And this is the point where God wants to get every single one of us to where we lose confidence in man, but where we gain confidence in Him. Oh, hallelujah. I can tell you tonight, I've lost confidence in the political system of this world. I've lost confidence uh, in the economic system of this world. Uh, on one end, you've got capitalism. Uh, on the other end, you've got communism. Uh, I heard one man say uh, well, at one point in time, uh, one is just as wicked as the other. Communism tells you that God uh, is the God, or that communism is the God of all. Uh, and capitalism at its core tells you that money uh, is the God of all. Uh, now, I can tell you, I'm a whole, uh, I'm appreciative uh, that I'm a, a capitalist society and not a communistic society but if you get yourself ingrained in that and money becomes your God then that is the root of all evil God help us tonight and it seems like those that go to work clock in just the, 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 the middle class it seems like we're playing with a rigged deck and the cards are stacked against us I don't have confidence in the economic status and situation of our day I don't have confidence in politics but my confidence in God is unwavering my confidence in God cannot be shaken no matter what comes no matter what we face I'm going to trust him oh just like Job that says yet or though he may slay me yet will I trust him Job had confidence in God no matter what he faced and that's what God desires in his church Confidence, the place where we lose confidence in the system around us, but where we gain confidence unconditionally in him. That's what Paul was writing about in the New Testament when he said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but it should stand in the power of God. Paul had experienced what you and I have experienced on many different occasions. Men can let you down, but God never will. Hallelujah. It matters not the intentions. People can have the best of intentions, but they can still break their word. They can still uh, let promises fall to the ground. Uh, but when God gives you a promise, uh, amen, in him, uh, his promises are yea, uh, and in him, amen. Uh, God is not a man that he should lie, uh, nor the son of man that he should repent. Uh, hath he not spoken it, uh, and yet will he make it good? Uh, you can put your confidence in him. Uh, though man may fail you, he never will. Uh, though man may abandon you, the word of God says that he will go with us all the way even to the end of the age I'm admonishing you tonight put your trust in him don't put your trust in the 401k it'll hurt your feelings don't put your trust in Wall Street it'll let you down don't put your trust in politicians but put your trust in the God that has never failed put your trust and your confidence in a God that'll never leave you never forsake you put your economic trust in the Father that 
that owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the hills that are under the cattle. My God. Oh, I'm putting my confidence in Him. The word trust means to be confident. And when you can be confident in nothing else, you can be confident in four things. In the person of God. God is who he says he is. Amen. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not changing. Isn't changing. Never going to change. You can have confidence in the power of God. There's never been a battle that he has not been able to win. Oh, hallelujah. You can have confidence in the purpose of God. That God has a will and a plan for your life. And there's not a devil in hell that can stop it. Oh, hallelujah. You're not shouting tonight. Amen. But I believe we could if we'd really let this sink down into our heart. We can have confidence in the person of God and the power of God. In the purpose of God. And you can have confidence in the promise of God. If God has ever spoken anything to you in prayer, God's ever spoken anything to you through your word, and he says, I'm going to do it. It may take a minute. It may take a year. It may take 40 years. God told Noah it was going to rain, and it took 120 years before there was ever a thunderhead appear on the horizon and a drop of rain fall from the ground. It took 120 years for the promise to come to pass. But God, if he has spoken it, it's going to happen, honey, exactly the way that he said that it's going to happen. I don't have confidence much. A weatherman, amen, he can tell you it's going to rain and you can flip a quarter. It's a 50-50 shot of whether it's true or not. You can look at the forecast of a hurricane from a meteorologist. There's less than a 2 or 3% chance that they're going to get that path right of that storm. It's going to wobble. They have no clue what's going on. I don't have much confidence in them. But if God tells me there's a storm coming to build a boat. You can write it down. Take it to the bank. It might take 120 years but God is going to keep his word. Confidence in him. Got to hurry tonight. Be careful where you put your confidence. David says don't look at the wicked and confide in them. But the writer in Proverbs, he said in Proverbs 25 and 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Now I've had a broken tooth. It don't feel good. I can tell you that there's been little pain that I've gone through in this life as bad as a toothache. When he's sure enough bad. He'll have you walking the floors. Sleep will evade you. If you could find a pair of pliers somewhere. You'd just about do the trick. Brother Clendenin. Preaching the school of Christ in Russia. He had a bad toothache one night. Wasn't getting any better. Caused him all type of trouble. He said, Brother he said. Would you happen to have a pair of pliers anywhere? He said, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, the old Russian farmer went to an old toolbox, found an old rusty pair of pliers. He said he was convinced was issued in World War II. 
rusted. He said it took all he could do to break the rust off that thing to get it done. He said, thank you. He said, I'll be right back. He went to the back bedroom, took that old Soviet Union pair of pliers, got a hold of that tooth and pulled it out. Came back to the table and finished dinner as soon as the, the bleeding stopped. I'm talking about a, uh, a general, a man of God. But when you have a tooth that's inflamed, you have a tooth that's, that's broken, you realize that it's painful. It hurts. You got to do something to fix it pretty quick. I've had a knee pop out of place, get disjointed. I've had ankles pop out of joint. And uh, get dislocated. I can tell you, it hurts. I didn't get a single amen right there. Maybe you had experienced it. Maybe David just pinned these verses for me. Because I've been there. But I can tell you the same way. When someone betrays your confidence, it hurts as bad as a tooth that's been broken. And a foot that's out of joint. It hurts when you lose confidence in somebody. When you hold somebody up here in high esteem and, and they let you down and they fail you. It absolutely hurts. It crushes you. Oh, but David, amen. The, the, the writer said that's what confidence in an unfaithful man is. But when it comes to God, you're not putting your confidence in an unfaithful man. Hallelujah. You're putting your confidence in a God that can never fail. You're putting your faith in a God that's never going to fail. And when time and eternity, amen, when time is over and we're in eternity in the realm of God, He's still incapable of failing. That's the God I want to put my confidence in. You can be confident in God. Proverbs 3 and 26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Notice the same author of Proverbs in 25, uh, 19. He said, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. But he said, the Lord in chapter 3 shall be thy confidence and he shall keep thy foot from being taken. An confidence in an unfaithful man, it'll cause that foot to come out of joint when he pulls the rug out from under you. But when you put your confidence in God, he's keeping your foot. He's holding your foot. He's establishing your ways. Every step of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If I'm walking in him and he's walking with me, he's keeping my foot from slipping. He's ordering every step and he's going to lead and guide me all the way through. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Oh, God, we have a place. Of, I'm confident. I have a place of refuge I can go. I'm confident that in him is a secret place of safety. First John 5 and 14, and this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desire of him. That's the confidence that we can have in God in prayer. Trust in the Lord. 
I better hurry or I'll make myself a liar and preach for an hour and five minutes. I could do it tonight. But he says, not only trust in the Lord, but delight thyself also in the Lord. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I struggled a little bit on this one. And you'll see why in just a minute. Because in the Hebrew, if you look up that word delight in the Hebrew, it means properly to live delicately and effeminately. I don't ever want to be accused of being effeminate. Every man in the house should say amen. Man, I, I don't ever want to be accused of being soft. Somebody calls you effeminate, so meet me out in the parking lot. Amen. I'll show you. Later <laughs> too. Man, that's not something that I would consider myself to be effeminate. So I had to do some more digging on this. And I had to get down to the root word in the Hebrew of, of what David was trying to say. But when he was saying, delight yourself also, Lord, to be delicate, to, to be effeminate, it simply means this. It means to take one's guard down, to be at ease in safety. So he was saying, delight yourself also in the Lord. Let the Lord's presence be a place of safety where you can take your guard down, where you don't have to be, your heart be hardened. And you don't have to be battle ready and, and battle geared all the time. You know, in, in life, our home is a place of safety to where you can, you can come in and you can work on the job. Brother, Brother Joey is like, I, sometimes we have to, to let people go and we have to, to tow the company line. And sometimes it's hard getting down in, in the weeds and, and having to do that day after day after day. But home is a place where you can walk in and you can just be yourself. You don't have to worry about hiring anybody. You don't have to worry about firing anybody. You can just uh, be yourself. Your, your house uh, is a place of refuge and safety where you can just uh, relax uh, and, and enjoy uh, the little bit of time that you have left in the day. Uh, that's what David is saying. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Uh, let his presence be a place uh, of refuge. Uh, yes, you're going to have to fight. Uh, and David had to fight every day of his life. Uh, every inch that David gained, uh, he had to fight for it. He had to pick up a sword. He had to pick up a sling and a stone. And he had to fight for every inch of ground that he got for every victory David won. He had to fight. He was a bloody man because he was a man of war. He had to fight for everything that he got. But he, he realized that there was a place that he could go where he could just relax in a place of refuge. He could take off the helmet. He could take off the breastplate. He could lay his armor and his sword and his shield down and he could just rest in the presence of the Lord. He could delight himself in the presence of God Almighty. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's where God wants to get us, where we delight ourselves in his presence. Yeah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Where we delight ourselves in His glory. Amen. This is a place where we should seek our happiness of God. Amen. David said in Psalms 43 and 4, Then will I go unto the altar of the Lord, unto God, my exceeding joy. Amen. The altar to David was not a dreadful place. It was a place of joy. Amen. It was not a place that he tried to run from, but it was a place that he tried to run to because he delighted himself in the presence of the Lord. He delighted himself in the presence of Almighty God. In Psalms 104 verse 34, my meditation of him shall be sweet and I will be glad in the Lord. Psalms 16 and 11, thou wilt show me the path of life for in thy presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. There is a place that you can get to in God uh, where you can delight uh, in his presence uh, and it's a place that you run to uh, a place of refuge uh, a place of safety David writing commanding us uh, delight yourself in the presence of God God wants us all to get to that place when we find our delight in his presence have a service like you do this morning conviction in the house where you know God's dealing with people and thank God for the ones that slipped up their hand amen came down to this altar prayed I pray God did an everlasting work in their hearts and lives but how many times have we sat through services where conviction is so thick that you can cut it with a knife and you know there's ranked sinners in the house and you know they need to be saved and you know God's convicting a demon with their heart. And as soon as you open up the altar, they walk out the back doors. Amen. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Amen. I, I, I've shared the story times before, but Brother Homer's daughter, Christina, she had come to church a couple of times um, with, uh, with uh, Brother Daniel and Sister Sharon. She'd come in, God conviction would be in the house, and as soon as you open up the altar, out the door she'd go. I'll never forget. One weekend, Brother Eddie called me, he was gonna had to be out of town, something come up. He said, I Need you to preach for me Sunday. I wrestled over that Sunday morning service greater than any message I've ever had to wrestle with the Lord about in my life. I couldn't get a thought. I stayed up Friday night. We had a youth rally. As soon as we got home Friday night from Forest Lake, I walked the floors praying, Lord, I, I want to hear from you. Nothing. All day Saturday, spent prayer fasting. See, God, what do you want me to say? Nothing. Saturday night, come over to the church. Could get nothing in prayer. And then finally I went to bed. I said, I, all I know to do is to just go to bed, get up, and Given another shot in the morning. Went to bed somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. 5 o'clock on the dot. I rolled over and looked at the clock and it was this 4.59. Transferred over to 5 o'clock. My eyes popped wide open. And the Lord said, you're going to take your text from the book of Job this morning. And you're going to preach on this thought. Is anything too hard for God? That's all he said. 
I didn't have point A. I didn't have point B. I didn't have C, D, E, or F. Amen. I had nothing but just a scripture and a thought. I got on the pulpit that morning, and the miracle of all miracles, I preached about 10 minutes. You weren't supposed to amen right there. There's an appropriate time to do it, and that was not it. All I had was just a thought. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I can tell you the answer to that is an absolute astounding no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I opened up the altar, and I saw Christina pop up. And I just closed my, my eyes, and I said, well, there she goes. Out the back door, just like every other time. And I started walking over here on this side of the platform with my eyes closed. All of a sudden, I heard a cry like I had never heard before. And I, I don't know that I've ever heard it since. But I turned around and looked, and there she was in the altar right there. Hallelujah. Weeping and crying that morning. Amen. Years of Brother Homer's praying. God answered her. She was born again and birthed into the kingdom of God. She came to me after the service and she said she had gone to the, the youth rally with us that Friday night over in Forts Lake. And she said she felt the conviction. She felt God convicting her heart but she said she felt like in her sin that she had sinned away her day of grace and she was too far gone. But she said she went all day Saturday and she said she woke up Sunday morning uh, or a little bit before 5 o'clock. Uh, and she said, God, I've got to know today whether you're going to save me or not. Uh, I've got to know today uh, whether I can be saved or not. Uh, and on the other end of that, God was waking up a preacher at 4.59, uh, yeah. watching the clock roll over at 5. Uh, said, you're going to take your text and preach this morning uh, that there is nothing too hard uh, for God. Hallelujah. Oh, we don't know uh, what God is doing. Uh, but when we delight ourselves uh, also in the Lord, uh, God will give us the desires uh, of our heart. Uh, God uh, will answer that prayer. Uh, and if we keep preaching long enough, uh, yes, some may run out the back door running from conviction, uh, running from the altar, uh, but you keep preaching. Uh, you keep praying. Uh, you keep walking tenderly. Uh, you keep delighting himself in his presence. Uh, there's going to be some that don't walk out the doors, uh, but like David, they're going to run to the altar, uh, cry, uh, and seek the face of God, uh, and they're going to find a new delight. Uh, their old delight was in sin. Uh, their old delight was in the light of the world their old delight may have been a name sin but their new delight is going to be the presence of the Lord their new delight is going to be the power of the Lord they're going to embrace the altar and their lives are going to be forever changed delight yourself also with the Lord Then he said commit thy way into the Lord in the Hebrew, that means to roll thy way upon the Lord. The idea that David is painting here is rolling a heavy burden from ourselves onto someone else. To roll that burden, to commit thy burden that we don't have the strength to bear. In the New Testament, Peter phrased it this way, casting all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
that burden that you're carrying that's so heavy. I feel this in my spirit tonight. That burden that's so heavy, that burden that's brought you to your knees. It's time to commit that thing to the Lord. Commit it is what David was saying. Let there be a transfer of burdens. Listen, it's going to break you down. You're going to be a casualty. You keep trying to carry that burden. You're not able to carry it. You weren't designed to be able to carry it. But his shoulders are able to carry it. Hallelujah. The cross of Calvary teaches us uh, that his shoulders uh, are a lot better uh, equipped than ours. Uh, we carry around, uh, amen, sin in our body. It, it'll destroy us. It'll kill us. Uh, he carried on his shoulders the sins uh, of the entire world. Uh, his shoulders, uh, he's able to carry burdens that we can't, uh, amen, and burdens that drives us to our knees. Uh, it'll kill you uh, if you try to keep carrying it around, uh, but commit it to the Lord. Uh, roll it over to the Lord. Uh, give it to the Lord, Lord, uh, this is too much for me. Uh, I cannot handle it, uh, but I'm giving it unto you uh, because I know you're able. Uh, I know that you're able uh, for your yoke is easy uh, and your burden is like David said. Uh, don't carry around a bunch of weight uh, and burdens, uh, but transfer them. Uh, commit it to the Lord. Never forget dealing with anxiety. You've heard me tell the the story many, many times before, but it bears repeating for nobody else but for me to hear it myself again. Dealing with unexpected storms, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Never dealt with anything like that before. Pray, seek God. Nothing happens, nothing changes. Pray, seek God. Nothing happens, nothing changes. But on a Sunday night, a visiting preacher from Texas was here. Brother Jason Stidham got up and preached on bread. He preached a, a, a great message. I can't tell you all of his points. I can't tell you where he went. But I knew about five minutes into his message that tonight was my night. I knew that something was going to happen in that altar. And as soon as he opened up the altar, I ran and knelt down right there beside the communion table. At the edge of those stairs, and I said, God, I can't handle this burden anymore. But I've got to give it to you. I've got to have you take it. And I literally felt I didn't have a physical weight on my shoulders. Amen. It was a spiritual one. But I literally felt a physical weight being pulled off of my shoulders. It felt like 200 pounds being rolled off of my shoulders. And that moment in time, I knew that I had been touched and changed by the power of God. God wants to do that for somebody in this house tonight. David's saying, you're going to kill yourself if you're fretting over all the wicked. All the evildoers. I mean, you're, you're going to kill yourself if you're carrying around all the burdens of the world, all the cares, all the hurt, all the pain. Transfer it to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. Give it to Him. He's able to carry it and deal with it and do what you can't. Commit yourself to the Lord. Then He said, to rest in the Lord. This literally means in the Hebrew to be silent to the Lord. To be mute, to be silent, and to be still. This brings to remembrance Psalms 23, 
when David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I'll never forget Brother Eddie's message when he was dealing with the shepherd and the sheep. He said there's only two conditions that a sheep will lay down. Sheep are skittish animals. They are scared of their own shadow. He said there's only two times that a sheep will lay down and find rest. And that is, number one, when he's full. And number two, when he feels utter and complete safety. That may not do anything for you. But there is a place with God if you can find rest. There is a place with God when you can be full, when you can be satisfied, and you can feel the refuge and the safety of God Almighty. It's a reprieve from all of the cares and all of the affairs of this life. David found that place in God where he says, just like a sheep, just like a, a sheep that's fearful, that's skittish, uh, that's scared uh, of his own shadow. Uh, amen. I, I know what it's like to have to run for my life. Uh, I know what it's like to have uh, a wicked king try to kill me. I know what it's like uh, for my own son to try to usurp the throne and kill me uh, and have the armies of Israel uh, hot on my trail. Uh, I know what it's like uh, to have uh, my house burned, my wives taken, my kids. Uh, amen. It zigzagged everything that I loved uh, to be taken. And, and, and destroyed. I, I know what it's like to experience heartache and heartbreak. I, I know what it's like to experience the death of a child. I, I know what it's like to have your heart ripped out of your chest and stomped on in a million pieces. But he said, I also know, amen, that there is a place in God. There is a place of refuge. There is a place that we can go in God where we can be filled. Hallelujah. There is a place where we can go and we can find utter safety uh, and rest and reprieve in the arms uh, of almighty God. Uh, amen. If you uh, live this life uh, just like David did, a man's man and experience heartache and heartbreak, uh, it'll kill a man uh, if he tries to live uh, and do things on his own. Uh, but it, if you will commit himself to the Lord, uh, if he'll walk in the ways of the Lord, there is yet a rest uh, that remains uh, for the child of God. Uh, a rest that the world knows nothing about a rest that the world cannot provide it's in his presence that we can find rest Amen. when rest can't be found and sleep evades us get into his presence right. hallelujah and you'll find that moments in his presence can energize you and energize your inner man, better than an eight-hour night of sleep. Same way that there is a physical rest that does the body good. You've got to have rest. You've got to sleep. For the spiritual man, there is a rest that is just as important as physical rest. And you will only find it in his presence. In his presence, there is a rest for the child of God. Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm closing with this. The commands of David. Fret not because of the evil one, the evildoer, the wicked one, but he said to trust in the Lord, to delight in the Lord, to commit thy way unto the Lord, to rest in the Lord. 
And the last command in verse number 34 was to wait on the Lord. You know, there are a few things that can be as detrimental to the child of God as much as impatience. I didn't get a single amen right there. Just read the word of God and find out what impatience got individuals. Impatience with Abraham and Sarah produced an Ishmael. Impatience with Saul cost him the kingdom. Wouldn't wait on the man of God. He tried to be king and priest. God said, there's only one of those, and you ain't him. Impatience. Trying to do things their own way. Peter trying to establish his own king and throne. Trying to do things Peter's own way caused him to pick up an ear. Pick up a sword and slice off an ear. It'd be hard to pick up an ear and slice off a sword, I can tell you that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Impatience. You say, Peter wounded somebody. Jesus come to heal. Oftentimes in our impatience, we'll do the same thing. If we get ahead of God, especially in ministry, we will do more harm than we could ever do good. waiting for some times saith the Lord but don't give up don't lose heart don't abandon the faith don't give up on me for I'm still working on your behalf and I've already spoken in my word that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord I say unto thee this night wait upon me for those that wait upon the Lord, I will renew their strength. Be not weary. Be not dismayed. But lift up your eyes unto me. For I desire to be your strength. I will be your stay. I will be the deliverer that I promised that I would be. Don't be impatient. Don't be weary. But trust me, saith God. Put all of your confidence in me. Delight yourself in me. Yet worship me. You will see. And I will bring it to pass. For your good. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know who the Holy Ghost is speaking to tonight. There's prayers that you've been praying. You've been waiting on for quite some time. Be not weary. Don't faint and well do it. God's given you a promise. You'll reap a new season if you faint not. But David, right again, I'm closing with this. But wait on the Lord. Let your hope be in the Lord. Depend wholly upon him. Have confidence in him as to expect his gracious interposition on your behalf. Amen. He said in Psalms 
40 verse 1, I waited patiently on the Lord. Psalms 27, 14, wait patiently on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. And Isaiah 40 verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as the eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The last command of David and what the Holy Ghost just spoke to the church. Don't be impatient. Don't rush things. Don't rush God. That you, you must, if God don't move today, this is going to die. It's going to be over with. Think back to a couple services ago, Brother Eddie's message, the death of a promise. Sometimes that promise has to die for the promise to truly live. Jesus was four days late with Lazarus, but he was right on time. Hallelujah. Don't buck him. Don't throw up the towel and your hands of surrender and quit. Purpose in your heart. I'm going to wait on the Lord. It may be a five-minute wait. It may be a five-week wait. It may be a five-year wait. I don't know. I'm not God. He operates outside of our time and our scope. We operate on a 24-7 clock. He operates on an eternity clock. Well, there's not an eternity clock. He operates in the, in the eternal. When He moves, it will be right on time. Hallelujah. Wait on Him. What do I do when I'm waiting? I saw a post the other day. If you'll stand with me all over the building, I'm done. When you go to a restaurant, you have a waiter that is assigned your table. That's their title. They are a waiter or a waitress. And what do they do? They serve. They are there to serve you. You may be waiting on God to answer prayers. Serve Him until He does. Don't just sit down and Fold your arms and cross your legs and say, I'm waiting on God today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to. I'm just, just waiting on God. You'll get a whole lot more if you change your mindset and say, God, I'm going to serve you today. I'm trusting you for this. And until it happens, whatever you want, I'm here in service. I'm here to serve. I'm here in love. Whatever. Whatever you need, God, I'm, I'm waiting on you. Hand and foot, whatever you need, God, whatever you want from me, I'm here to wait on you. I'm here to serve you. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew that strength. Amen. He's telling you tonight, fret not. Trust in the Lord. Have confidence in Him. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Amen. Wait on the Lord. Amen. I want us to, if we could, 100%, find us a place to pray in these altars tonight. And let's seek the Lord for a while. Amen. Let's call upon the Lord for a while. I don't know what you're battling. It's, somebody needs to cast their cares on Him. Somebody needs to transfer the boulder, the burden off of their shoulders and lay it at His feet. Bring your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Hallelujah. Commit yourself to the Lord.
giving you my all tonight. And Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm not going to get impatient. I'm not going to get in a hurry. I'm not going to get ahead of you. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. Hallelujah. Whatever you want, Lord. Whether the answer comes today or not, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to love you. Hallelujah.